The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and we have a very interesting topic today. We are going to talk about our take on no bad dogs. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Take it away. I'm doing all the holiday discount codes, all the holiday perks for our quirky tip, and I'm super excited about this week's quirky tip. So we have had Sarah Carson on the show a couple of times. She's a celebrity dog trainer. She's a really nice person, great influencer, amazing dog trainer. And she wrote a book called Super Dog Tricks. So for our audience, our listeners, our viewers, whomever wants to join in on this, if you email Sarah at thesupercollies at gmail.com, she is going to do a signed and personalized copy of this awesome trick book. Literally, it's one of my favorite dog books. There's so many images in this. It's so clear. It goes through so many different behaviors for $25, and that includes shipping. It's only within the U.S. You have to order by December 5th because she wants to make sure everybody can get their signed and personalized books for the actual holiday, but that is my quirky tip for this week, and we are so grateful for Sarah for offering that to our audience. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I told you I was going to have a personalized mine. Yeah, don't start. All right, so let's talk about this topic. This came up because you got bit. You got bit for the first time in a long time. Yeah, a week a week ago Saturday, I went to see an eleven month old Australian Shepherd, and uh, I think it was even a mini. Yeah, mini Australian Shepherd, and the dog comes dragging towards me on the leash. I meet it with some cheese. It takes the cheese. It's a happy puppy, not beautiful little dog. Everything's going fine. Climbs up on me, and I told the lady I'm rewarding this bad behavior and petted the dog, scratched him behind the ear. Everything was fine. Dog gets down. I said, "Well, why don't we work on this pulling? Because the dog's pulling on the leash." I went to put a collar on the dog, and um, I did get the collar on the dog, but when I was shifting the leash from one collar to the other, the dog just turned around, blew up, grabbed me by the hand, started like really aggressively biting me, and um, I had to hang on to him with the other hand because he wasn't even on a leash. He was transitioning between the two collars, and we got him under control, and uh, it wasn't a big deal. I did need, you know, some paper towels and whatnot. We got <laughs> came bleeding home with on the quite driveway. a few punctures, yeah. But, um, you know, it just made me think, like, and then the background on this dog, no aggression story, but it was the fifth home for this dog. So 11 months old, the fifth home. And they told me the day before I came that the vet said uh, they couldn't do any shots. They needed to medicate the dog. And that the vet also recommended that the dog is medicated for me to come and see the dog. But no aggression, just, I was told, high energy, just very high energy. So. There was aggression. <laughs> well, yeah, there was, a, but it, no one, no one talks about it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the these thing, owners hadn't actually seen it themselves personally yeah. yet. But I mean, Scott, we're not sure what they're going to choose to do. Scott did recommend euthanasia. It was a pretty extreme case. The dog, you know, had a Well, the thing about this dog trigger. that, I mean, I've worked with a lot of aggressive dogs and that's not a big issue. Uh, what was the most concerning is this hair trigger. Like there was nothing going on. I didn't provoke this aggression. Uh, usually when there's a dog that's aggressive and it's had a biting history and I'm made aware of it, I can, I'm 
cautious about this. I work with the dog. I establish a relationship. We can make a lot of progress. And more often than not, it's not a big deal. It's just maybe some fear. It's not anything as much as what people thought it was. But when the dog bites almost out of the blue, really aggressively, I think about children. I think about some old lady on the street that could be, okay, can I pet your dog? And then all of a sudden, boom, something happens like that. Yeah. And for it to be in the fifth home, I mean, the dog has huge anxiety. You know, they're walking this dog four hours a day, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, four one-hour walks because the dog is unable to sit still in the house. And as we say, and we've around. said many a time, most of our extreme aggression cases do tie in with extreme anxiety. But, you know, this kind of brought us to this topic of no bad dogs, because a lot of dog trainers will say this, some really high-end influencers, this is like their tagline, there's no bad dog, you know, it's never the dog's fault. And at the end of the day, there are some dogs that either are definitely not the right fit for the home they're in. There may be a bad dog for the home that they're in. And they might not be a good dog for any home. They're, they're just, they don't have a place in society nowadays. So we kind of want to unpack that a little bit today because it's a touchy topic and this is not a full-on behavioral euthanasia podcast, but sometimes it does have to head that route where there aren't a lot of options for this dog. There aren't people who can manage this dog. This dog is not safe. Maybe it's a genetic issue. Maybe it's past trauma. Maybe it's how it was raised early on. But there's kind of a point of no return with certain dogs. And we just want to be very honest that being in this profession, as long as we've been in, this does pop up with us as well. And, you know, the term bad is, oh, don't label it as bad. You know, it's mentally ill or it's troubling or something else. But when you're out there marketing that there is no bad dog and they just need the right training or these trainers who are guaranteeing training, which we find hugely unethical and we don't find them to have real experience in the industry because there are many dogs that we've done over the years that if we offered a guarantee, there would not be good follow-up there. We just find that to be very, very unethical training with live animals. So we just kind of want to talk about that a bit today because there could be many, many factors that contribute to it, but it's something that everyone kind of works around and acts like, oh no, if there's a will, there's a way, but not always. Well, there are some dogs that they genetically have a screw loose. They were just born uh, with some type of a problem And quite often, we find it with these dogs that are bred to be minis, where they're getting smaller and smaller, and they're adding different breeds in to get these dogs as tiny as possible. But uh, when you're breeding strictly for... Size or color. confirmation. And I know no breeder would ever admit they're just breeding for confirmation. Of course, it's the whole package. When you talk to a breeder, they're going to tell you they breed for the whole package. It's the perfect dog, perfect temperament. It has great uh, athleticism, structure, and it loves everybody. And there's no dogs, very few dogs that meet all these criteria. But it's nice to know what you're getting when you get a a specific breed. Some of them, they'll say that they're, they're protective of their family. They're not good with guests. I mean, these are reasonable things. You know, that's what they were bred for for thousands of years, to be protective of the property and their family or their flock. So there's an added responsibility with that. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dogs with either an unpredictable aggression or they're so dominant that um, it requires a very specific handler and a way that this dog is handled. And a lot of people wind up, occasionally um, the people are able to pull it off. They just need the direction and they need, you know, to be comfortable using a crate and this and that and and it works out okay. But for the most part, even with dogs that have a lot of aggression issues, um, the people are just not able 
to manage the dog safely. They feel bad about the crate. Uh, the dog will do really well for several months, so they'll loosen everything up. And boom, another bite happens. Yeah, That's and, typically and how it goes. Sometimes we'll get a call you know, from these desperate owners that the dog just needs the right home. It needs a super qualified professional. It just needs someone that, you know, really understands the dog and has a passion for this type of situation. And sitting up here behind this counter as two people who may fit that criteria, we don't want dogs like that in our home. We have our own personal dogs, other trainers of, you know, similar credentials and everything else. They don't want to invite that into their life. So while it seems like, oh, there just needs to be the perfect fit and, you know, the perfect trainer who's really adept at these types of situations, that isn't necessarily the type of dog that they want to be bringing into their home. And it's an issue of how many strikes and you're out too, right? I mean, if it's a really severe bite, maybe that dog is a candidate for behavioral euthanasia. And I want to say straight off the bat here that every dog that has been put down, that doesn't mean that they were a bad dog. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But there are some bad eggs of the bunch that, you know, right from the get-go, we see them in an eval in our, I don't think it's happened often in training programs, but in an eval specifically, the dog just isn't right. You can tell there's something different about the dog. The dog's looking at you cross no matter what. The dog's unpredictable. The dog is very forward with its aggression. It's not warning. It's not doing anything else. And these dogs are not meant to be in any sort of home. You're just passing the buck if you yourself are not choosing to make the decision of behavioral euthanasia. You bring it to the shelter, maybe lie about its history. You give it to a friend. All of these dogs, you're just prolonging the inevitable, which is that this dog is not safe in society. And that's a big issue. And it's an issue that a lot of people dance around and think, you know, no, 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 the dog just needs the right training. The dog just hasn't had the right chance. It just needs, you know, a different nurturing environment. Not necessarily. There are dogs out there that whether they have a screw loose or they had past trauma or whatever it's going to be, they just shouldn't be in our modern day world. That's just the bottom line. Well, they're just not safe for a number of reasons. And, um, yeah, I mean, if if you're looking to get a rescue or and the dog has already been in three previous homes or four or five, uh, it's a real tempting story. You know, to real, it tugs at your heartstrings to think this dog needs a home and it hasn't been able to find the right home and we could give it that home. But think about how committed people are when they get a puppy or they get a rescue. The last thing, I've had people come in with a dog that they... They've just had the dog for a day, and it's a it's a rescue situation, the foster situation. They don't own the dog. They're thinking about the dog. They bring the dog in for an evaluation. I, I keep the dog for a whole day, and when they came to pick up the dog, I said, not a good dog for you. Send the dog back. And they're like, oh, my God, but we love him. I said, you got my opinion. You can keep the dog if you want. You ask me for a professional opinion. I worked with this dog all day. Not a good dog for your home. I would send him back. And they kept him. So that's normal. Once you get a dog in your possession, it's like you're never going to give up the puppy. Yeah. So think about that when someone has, a dog has had four homes, how you would feel if you had a puppy. And then the heartbreak of having to surrender this puppy or rehome this puppy because it didn't work out. So for some to have three or four homes do that, there's something going on yeah, here. Yeah, there's something, a reason that these dogs are getting passed on. Yeah, there's something serious going on with this dog behaviorally because we've heard every excuse in the book why they can't keep the dog. It had too much hair. The, we, we had to move into an apartment, so we had to get rid of the dog. Jess and I, we've been together for almost 13 years. Long we've, time. We've been in how many living situations? Lots. Three, four? Yeah. Yeah. With... At Multiple least dogs. six dogs yeah. and at a high point, nine dogs. Yeah. 
We had to get a rental, two rentals with multiple dogs. Not easy. But the last thing, either one of us, we didn't even think about, well, let's just get rid of the dog so we can get a, a yeah. rent a house. So it's good feedback. If you're looking for a dog and you know your friend's like, oh, I can't keep this dog, and you know the history of the dog, the rescue may know that the dog's had multiple homes. It doesn't mean that dog may not be a good fit in someone's home, but don't don't um, invite that into your life. That's normally kind of a red flag. Scott kind of calls it the hot potato situation. All right, let's go to break super quick. and we get back, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, so let's take a minute to discern between is it a misunderstood dog? Is it a bad dog? What is a bad dog? What if I own a bad dog? Where do I go? All this other stuff. So basically... I'd like to say before... Oh, go ahead. Just in line with what you just said, um, the amount of what I would consider bad dogs out there in relation to the number of dogs I see uh, annually, it's probably maybe one or two in a hundred. Yeah. That I would consider this dog should be put down. This is just, Maybe even less than that. Yeah, I, would, I, mean, I would say, these, yeah, 0.5%. These 5%. dogs we're talking about are far and few between. But they're the kind of dogs that people would think, well, like if, if, if the dog daddy was lived closer to me, maybe he would take this dog because he can handle, I see how he handles dogs. He could handle this dog. The dog daddy doesn't want your frigging dog. I guarantee it. He's got enough going on, you know? Yeah, and with that said, just because a certain trainer can handle your dog a certain way or, you know, even just a single member of your household can handle the dog a certain way, that is everyday management 24-7. And when we're talking about a dog who can be dangerous to society specifically, we're talking human aggression specifically, this is a huge deal. This is not something that we should undervalue and that we should underrate. So if you're concerned, you have a dog that has a little bit of reactivity, maybe some aggression, you know, maybe even has broken the skin a few times. What do you do in this situation? I would 180% recommend that you contact a professional who has worked with aggressive dogs before. Contact someone in the field that will help you with your dog to evaluate the dog. You can go to their facility. You can see that there's other dogs there. You can maybe even see their own personal dogs and you can get their take on what they think of your personal dog. If you don't like what they have to say or you don't think they're well qualified enough, go to another professional dog trainer where they're in the industry working. They have a bunch of reviews. They're touching leashes of dogs. You're not just sitting behind a desk having a chit chat about this. See what they think when you, they take the leash and help you with your dog or help work you through that. That is what we do 100% of the time. And I would say a lot of times Scott gets to somebody's house and they're like, oh my gosh, I thought there was no hope. I've been told that, you know, there was no place to go with this dog. There was nowhere to turn. You've finally given me a little glimmer of hope. This doesn't mean that the pathway is going to lead to, yes, you're one of those 0.5% of dog owners who own these bad dogs and there's no option for your dog, but you do need to get professional help outside of the veterinary community, outside of Google. You need to go and get in-person help and help people um, have you evaluate your dog. That is my first go-to with that situation. Yeah. I mean, and even if you're not dealing with the aggression, but you're dealing with this anxiety issue, the separation anxiety, which can easily spill over into aggression. We have a, a good friend that she was rescue or fostering rescues out of the goodness of her heart. And uh, at one point she told me she had a pit bull, couldn't be in a crate. She put the dog in her bathroom because she had to go to work. She comes back, the bathroom door is completely torn off. 
The dog ripped the skin, the wood, it wasn't a solid wood door, but it just started ripping its way through the door. And she had to bring the dog back. She goes, I can't keep the dog in my house. And then they're berating her for not being committed to the dog. And yet the dog is tearing her house apart. Yeah, that is a good point. You know? It's not just this extreme aggression. It also can be this extreme anxiety. And if you have more of an anxiety-proof crate, like a Roughland kennel or maybe a Gunner kennel or something else, and the dog's just slamming its body against it, trying to self-mutilate itself in this crate, there aren't a lot of options for a dog like that, right? You can't have a dog that someone can watch 24-7. So within this bad dog category, a dog who has anxiety that is so, so, so extreme that it can't even be contained... That's a consideration for behavioral euthanasia as well. And again, or it could if, be a you know you could try the medication route. You could and see how that goes. You and could. if that's going to calm the dog down enough, then plan on that being on the dog is on medication the indefinitely. Yes, yeah. yeah, the regimen. But that we, may work. But we would recommend not passing the buck in these situations because we see it so 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 often, and it's a heartbreak when it finally comes to a head where now all of a sudden the sixth owner is mauled or you know the dog does like attack professionals unprovoked or, you know, the vets really can't handle the dog even with really hardcore drugs. It's just escalating and escalating and escalating. So it's really important to be honest with yourself with these situations and know what you're looking at and be able to make the hard decisions because sometimes the hard decisions have to be made. And I just feel as an industry as a whole saying, oh, there's no bad dogs. All dogs are great. Dogs just need proper training. They just need the right you know, and if, if the dog isn't, isn't doing well, it's your ethical. fault. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I will say that you do got to get a professional involved because as a dog owner and not a dog professional, you may have only at, at the most, you know, given you're a middle-aged person, you've may have owned three or five dogs in your whole lifetime. And those dogs were with you a long time and they were great dogs. And you don't re- even with good dogs, you don't remember how terrible they were as puppies. You forget about the puppy stuff. Now you have a new dog and you're like, why is this puppy so bad? Well, you just forget about that stuff. But it's hard to judge a difficult dog because you're only comparing it to the last three you had and yeah. you're only remembering the best of those three. They were great dogs, you know, keeping you, you know, safe and comfortable on the couch and just being really awesome companions. And now you have this really difficult dog. So if you call in someone that's got, that sees 100 dogs a year or more, they can look at the dog and say, and work with the dog and really give you a better Read of assessment of yeah. what the dog may not be that bad. He's just unmanageable. He just needs some training. Yeah. He hasn't really grown up in a house where there were rules. And it doesn't mean you can't get him on track right away. But you need to get a an thir- outside yeah, opinion. Get, get another set of eyes on this dog to work with them and really be able to assess and see what you have, you know? Yeah. And this topic is kind of bringing my headspace to a lot of these posts that, you know, some rescues or some sanctuaries are posting about, and often they're bully breeds. I'm not meaning to throw these dogs under the bus, but often it's a bully mix that has, you know, attacked or killed multiple animals, has mangled volunteers' hands and everything else. And it's this fundraising event so the dog can live in a specific sanctuary or so we can get the dog into the properly fitted home and everything else. And when we're talking about a dog who has, you know, actually killed multiple animals, who has human aggression to the point of mangling limbs, mangling hands, mangling everything else, we should not be looking at rehoming those dogs. We should not be looking at raising funds to keep those dogs in our society. These are the types of dogs we're talking about where 
They, you can call them bad. You can call them unsafe. You can call them mentally unstable. This is not a dog that we want roaming our streets or our neighborhood or moving in next door with the chain link fence between you and your two-year-old kid. So be mindful of these things when you see them pop up. Sometimes it's heart-wrenching and you think, oh my gosh, this dog needs, you know, just the right mix of, you know, hope and luck and professionalism and everything else. And we're sitting up here as professionals telling you that's not the case. Dogs, when they cross a certain line, especially when we're talking about death of other animals, mangling of body parts, not good to have in any sanctuary setting or any other home. They should not be rehomed for someone else to deal with the problem later on because it's going to come up again. These things just happen. There is no perfect safe place for dogs like that. No, and there are dogs that are bred to have animal aggression and that's part of their job. They're, again, uh, a lot of herders. If If a coyote comes into the field where the sheep are or the cows... The, the coyote's going to be dead. Yeah. They're going to be on it. They're going to kill it. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, but if you don't have a working environment for this dog, and God forbid, you know, depending on, um, you know, where you're located, you know, the, the neighbor's dog happens to stroll by, and then they, yeah. they're going to nail that. I saw on, online the other day a couple of Presa Canarios that were hog hunting and taking a hog out. They were doing a good job. That's what they wanted to do with their dog. Hog hunting is huge in the South in this country, and I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. But those are dogs you don't want that energy, that aggression unleashed in the wrong direction. Because you get two of them together, a person doesn't have a chance. Maybe with one-on-one, you might have a chance of strangling the dog out, but with two, you're screwed. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear, since we brought up this animal aggression component of things, Killing chipmunks and bunnies, still heart-wrenching, still something that I don't want to see happen. But that's not type, the type of animal aggression I'm talking about. I'm talking about killing, you know, small dogs, medium-sized dogs, sometimes large-sized dogs. I mean, we heard of a Great Dane getting taken down a few weeks ago. Like, whatever, yeah. when we're talking about animal aggression to that degree, when not only does a dog get into a dog fight, not only is the other dog injured, but the other dog is actually killed based on, you know, thrashing and the neck breaking and whatever else that looks like. That is another level of aggression. That is extreme, okay? So if we're going to label bad dogs, that becomes a dog that should be considered for behavioral euthanasia. Where is that dog going to live safely where it cannot have access ever again to any other animal and unfortunately maybe kill another animal? Like this is, this is not okay. You know, well, dog killers are not okay. And the problem is, you know, people like to think, well, there, is, there, there could be a, another home for this dog. Where it is, nobody has any yeah. idea. There's no, no answer. But if there was a great trainer that had a farm that lived somewhere that was all fence, like they, in their mind, people come up with the perfect scenario for this dog. And then, and I got a call just a few weeks ago. I from know, a, with this situation. So, someone that said, here's the situation. Here's the dog. Do you want We're it? looking for someone like you to, to take the dog. I'm like, you know, I don't even barely have time to work with my own dogs that don't want to kill me, <laughs> let alone take on your dog into my house that does yeah. have aggression issues, yeah. you know? And, you know, it's a little bit of a heavy topic, but it, it needs to be said. I think too often, too many professionals either are too quick to say, oh, the only route is behavioral euthanasia. We tried medication. It's not working. This dog can't live in society. I do think we're quick to make that decision sometimes. And then a lot of people are quick to say, no, you just haven't tried my program. I guarantee everything. I've never worked with a dog that I couldn't train. 
I'm sorry. We have worked with a lot of dogs. We've had Westies that cannot sit. Like they will not sit after a month's time. I guess we could be extremely abusive to get the dog to sit, but the dog has such stress and maybe there was rear leg pain. I don't know what you want to call it, but such an issue with sitting, the dog didn't sit. There are certain dogs that do not have a strong recall. I don't care how long you have the dog. I don't care what equipment you use. These guarantees were like any dog, any behavior, we can make it happen. That does not exist in this profession if you are offering some ethical services. So, and at some point, I hope that some of you kind of feel like maybe this is permission to, you know, go and have a conversation with my vet about behavioral euthanasia. Maybe this is a turning point where, yeah, I don't have a lot of options for this dog. I can't put 24 seven into this dog. My dog has mauled a lot of people and I, I, I can't do it anymore. And that's okay. Sometimes you just need to hear someone say like, if it's a bad dog, it's a bad dog. And we still love these dogs. They're still wonderful. Bad is, again, a very buzz term, but it's a term that's thrown around a lot here. But not all dogs are meant to live in modern day society. So that is an important thing to realize and understand and grasp. And again, it's not a lot of dogs. We're talking a very small portion of dogs. I can maybe list three on my hand since we moved to Maine and maybe five to 10, our whole entire career that we would consider like this category. And we work with hundreds and thousands of dogs. We're not saying that this is a large, large number, but when you come across these dogs, it's important to take the right steps and make the right decisions. Yeah. I mean, I even saw, you know, 20 years ago, a Malinois, and I'm not saying this dog necessarily should have been euthanized, but it was a puppy. It was like 10 weeks old. And they said, they called me and said, we want you to look at our puppy. The dog has aggression issues. I said, yeah, bring him in. I, you know, I'm familiar with the breed. I had owned two or three at that time. The dog looks at me on a leash and just rawr, rawr, growling and everything and barking. And I just bend down and take the puppy, you know, just because it's a puppy. And the dog is like really nailing me, just totally <laughs> pissed, biting my, and I say, holy shit. And I've had a lot of puppies. I'd never seen one like this. I said, this puppy was bred with a lot of aggression this is not a good dog for your household. You need to return this puppy to the breeder. And they said, no, we're not returning him. I said, okay. I took the dog and we did some, I did a board and train. The dog trained great with me. The dog was awesome. By the time the dog was eight months old, they called me and said, the dog has bit three people. Yeah. I can't get the dog back to the breeder because the airlines will not take this dog because of the aggression. The dog was just very powerful he was bred to be to do military or police work. He wasn't bred to be a home companion animal. Yeah. Whether the breeder intentionally did that or it just happened to be that's the mix of the genetics Shouldn't there. Shouldn't have been a pet home it regardless. It just happened. Yeah. Too strong of a dog, you yeah. know? But no, these kind of things, are they're far and few between. They yeah. really are. Most dogs, I mean, the uh, oh, if you're afraid of your dog, if you live in fear of your dog, the dog shouldn't be in your house. Yeah. The dog shouldn't be in your house. We had a lady that would st spend all day in her bedroom with the door locked with the dog outside. And uh, come to find out, the dog ripped half of her skull off, her, her scalp. It's not a good bite. The lady had like 36 stitches or I don't know two how layers, many. Two layers, a hundred. Two layers of stitches. Yeah. I'm like, why is this dog still alive? Yeah. Well, it's our son's dog and we don't want to disappoint him. Yeah. Uh, the son's in Florida on vacation. The mom's hiding in her bedroom. It was, and, and again, this is, these are extreme examples and it doesn't even have to be this extreme of what you're experiencing. But when we're talking about aggression to the point where humans are actually being injured, when it has such a quick trigger, like Scott's talking about, or other animals, especially dogs are being killed. We do have to have the hard conversations. So take a look at that. Um, we hate to be down in the dumps, but since Scott got bit for the first time in four or five years, we thought we'd chat it up. Yeah, it rarely happens. And, uh, 
you know, when a dog is not, it, it, when it seems really unprovoked and out of the blue, I only think about a child getting hit in the face because they're short, yeah. they're right there, they could be just grabbing this dog and giving it love, and then all of a sudden the dog decides, I don't like that, and now the kid's cheek is completely removed off yeah. of its face. And it changes kids' lives forever. This happens all the time. There's yeah. plenty of YouTube stories There's to see about that. There's plenty of great dogs out there. Yeah. There's a lot of really <laughs> good dogs Go out for there. the good ones. All right, you guys, once again, check out Super Dog Tricks. If you want to get the signed and personalized copy, you're going to email Sarah at thesupercollies at gmail.com. Tell her you heard it from us, and she will get you a book by the holidays. Thank you so much for joining in this week. And in the meantime, keep, keep it, it quirky. quirky. Bye, guys. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.